You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Just the stars that we know about are. And yet God just gives us five words. No other detail. He also made the stars. But he gives us 50 plus chapters in the Bible on the tabernacle. 50 very detailed and many others that refer to things related to the tabernacle. Here's why. The tabernacle of Moses is an earthly counterpart to a heavenly reality. You got to get that in your brain. You got to get that in your heart. God gave extremely detailed directions for the building of his tabernacle. In today's message, Pastor Danny will contrast that with the description of creation in Genesis. The universe is far bigger, much more intricate, complex, and beautiful. Yet scripture gives us very sparse descriptions of God's design. So why was God so specific? What does it say about who God is and what the tabernacle represented? Stick around and we'll take a close look at this fascinating structure at the center of God's relationship with the Israelites. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Exodus chapter 25 as he begins his message, The Tabernacle. Exodus is where we are. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Exodus chapter 25. The Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. You're to receive the offering for me from each man whose heart prompts him to give. These are the offerings you are are to receive from them. Gold, silver, and bronze. Blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen. Goat hair. Ram skins dyed red and hides of sea cows, acacia wood, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and the breastpiece. Then have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. It's called the tabernacle of Moses because God gave the plan through Moses. Now, if you're careful in your reading, you will note that several times in these chapters, in giving the details of the tabernacle, God says to Moses repeatedly, make sure you do it and make it exactly like I show you. It's a fascinating, fascinating subject. I like what one writer said uh, in regard to the tabernacle. He that gave us no account of the lines and circles of the globe, the diameter of the earth, or the height and magnitude of the stars, has told us particularly the measure of every board and curtain of the tabernacle. When we covered the book of Genesis not too long ago, 
creation. God gives us the record, one chapter. I noted when we went through that, God gives five words. He also made the stars. And he also made the stars. And we talked about how grand just the stars that we know about are. And yet God just gives us five words. No other detail. He also made the stars. But he gives us 50 plus chapters in the Bible on the tabernacle. 50 very detailed and many others that refer to things related to the tabernacle. Here's why. The tabernacle of Moses is an earthly counterpart to a heavenly reality. You got to get that in your brain. You got to get that in your heart to really appreciate the tabernacle. Now, in reading it and reading through this section, sometimes you feel like you're reading your uh, list to go to Home Depot with. I mean, it's just a bunch of detail on measurements and uh, things to put together and, and boards and tables, et cetera, et cetera. But every single thing related to the tabernacle has a heavenly counterpart. Now, it's a model. When you think of a model, you got to realize when you see a model of some great development, they can take that model, put it on a table. You can walk around each side of the table and you can see different pieces of the model. But when it's built, it's just massive. And so don't think that when you look at the measurements of these things in the tabernacle, that that's the measurement of heaven. No, 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 no. This is a model. Earthly counterpart, heavenly reality. When the writer of the New Testament book of Hebrews refers to things related to the Old Testament tabernacle and the worship in the tabernacle, he talks about the priests that served in that tabernacle. And he says, they serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and a shadow of what's in heaven. That's why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle, see that you make it Everything, according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. So Moses goes up on the mountain. God gives him the blueprint, detailed blueprint for the tabernacle and all of his furnishings. So as laborious as it might be to read through some of this detail, there's a purpose in the detail. Now, one little side note that I hope is an encouragement, but I'll say it strongly. If your Christian life and your study and diving into the Word of God is just some kind of namby-pamby approach, then you're never going to get out of it what God intends for you to get out of it. If all you get is the daily bread, that little booklet, which has its purpose, but if that's all you get, you're going to be on a, a bottle for the rest of your life. you got to graduate to Gerber, and then to something solid, and then hopefully some, some steak. You say, I'm a vegetarian. Okay, whatever the equivalent of vegetarianism to you is, but something deeper. (laughs) It takes work. Proverbs, the writer, he says, if you want to find the real knowledge of God, you got to look for it as for silver and as for hidden treasure. Paul told Timothy, study to show yourself approved a workman, a workman, and so there's work involved. Doesn't just fly off the page every time you read it. You start to read these details and you go, I'm just going to skip this and go to an easy psalm. 
And sometimes what God wants to say is in the detail, and it's going to take work, and it's going to take study, and it's going to take meditation. So the tabernacle. And in light of it being an earthly counterpart to a heavenly reality, every time you study the tabernacle and think about the things of the tabernacle, it ought to get your mind on things above. Heavenly things. So here we go. Exodus 25, verse 10. First furnishing of the tabernacle. Have them make a chest of acacia wood, two and a half cubits long, a cubit and a half wide. A cubit is 18 inches, and a cubit and a half high. Overlay it with pure gold. I mean, this is priceless. Both inside and out. Not just outside. We just think about the gold on the outside. No, inside and out. And make a gold molding around it. Verse 17. Make an atonement cover on this chest of pure gold. Two and a half cubits long, a cubit and a half wide. Make two cherubim. Cherubim are angelic beings. Angels. Make two cherubim out of hammered gold at the ends of the cover. Make one cherub on one end, second cherub on the other. Make the cherubim of one piece with the cover at the two ends. The cherubim are to have their wings spread upward, overshadowing the cover with with them. The cherubim are to face each other, looking toward the cover. There's something about this cover these angels are drawn to. Place the cover on top of the ark and put it in the ark. Put in the ark the testimony. I'll show you what the testimony is in a minute, which I'll give you. There above the cover, between the cherubim that are over the ark of the testimony, I'll meet with you and give you all my commands for the Israelites. So, this is the ark of the covenant. The ark of the covenant, the best I can gather, it's where God dwells. It's where His throne is. It's where the Father sits. And they're angelic creatures that other scriptures in the Bible uh, tell us that they, they declare the holiness of God and the majesty of God. There's something about these cherubim, and they're drawing their attention to this, this, this cover over this ark. And you'll understand why as we move on. In Exodus 25, verse 16, he says, Put in the ark the testimony which I will give you. What's the testimony? Well, the testimony involves three things. One is, uh, God told Moses, put inside the ark, below the, that cover, the atonement cover, uh, put in there a jar of manna. Manna was the supernatural heavenly food that God gave the Israelites in the wilderness wandering. They got up uh, one day, and, and, and it had rained down from heaven, if you will, uh, this manna. And they went outside, and they looked, and they saw it, and they said, what is it? And that's what they ended up naming it, because that's what manna means. Manna means, what is it? So they said, what is it? And they, that's what we'll call it. What is it? Because it's unlike anything else. It's unique. It was kind of like heavenly frosted flakes, if you will. So put in there a jar of manna. Now, Jesus in John chapter 6 says, I am the true bread that came from heaven. So the manna speaks of Jesus. You'll find out that everything about the tabernacle speaks of Jesus. Second thing that's part of the testimony that Moses was told to put inside the ark below this atonement cover is the Ten Commandments. Uh, this stone tablets, 
written by the finger of God with the Ten Commandments on it. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 tells us that Jesus is the only one that's kept the Ten Commandments. So the testimony, jar of manna, which represents Jesus, Ten Commandments, he's the only human that's ever kept the Ten Commandments. And the third thing that's part of the testimony is Aaron, the high priest under that Old Testament economy, his rod or his staff that God made bud and blossom and produce almonds. There was contention among the tribes of Israel as to who could be the high priest and what tribe could have a high priest, the high priest. And God settled it, settled the dispute by having uh, these leaders of the Israelites bring their staffs before God, and they brought all the staffs, including Aaron's staff, and then after they brought them together, next morning they get up, and guess what? Aaron's staff had budded and blossomed, blossomed and budded and produced almonds. In other words, life from death, life from just a piece of wood. And there was no question, Aaron's the guy. (laughs) Put in there Aaron's staff that budded, representing the high priest that God has chosen, and we know from the New Testament Jesus is the eternal high priest chosen by the Father. This is the testimony. It's in the ark, below the atonement cover. Back to Exodus 25, verse 23. Make a table of acacia wood, two cubits long, a cubit wide, a cubit and a half high. Overlay it with pure gold, priceless. Make a gold molding around it. Then look at verse 30. Verse 30. Put the bread of the presence, ooh, that's interesting, the bread of the presence on this table to be before me at all times. Ooh. It's called the table of showbread. And other scriptures tell us that it wasn't just one loaf of bread, it was 12 loaves, six on each side, representing the 12 tribes of Israel or God's chosen people, the people of God. The bread was to be always available 24-7 and perpetually fresh. So there's the bread of the presence or the table of showbread. Chapter 25, Exodus, verse 31. Make a lampstand. Pure gold, hammer it out, basin shaft, its flower-like cups, buds, and blossoms. It shall be of one piece with it. Verse 37. Then make it seven lamps and set them up so that they give light to the space in front of it. Its wick trimmers, trays are to be of pure gold. A talent of pure gold is to be used for the lampstand and all the accessories. A talent is 75 pounds. The lampstand. Light. Seven branches of light. Let me give you a scripture. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2 gives us the seven characteristics of the Spirit of God. That's what this represents. Need to note at this point, these articles inside the tabernacle, there were no windows in the tabernacle. So this light is not from the outside in, but from the inside. 
It's God's light. It represents the sevenfold characteristics of the Spirit of God, uh, some of which are, for example, wisdom. You want wisdom? God has it. Understanding. God has it. Counsel. Power. Knowledge. Bread table. Table of showbread was on one side. This lampstand was on the other side as you entered the tabernacle. Chapter 26. Ooh, almost left that one. Let me give you a little cool side note on the lampstand. Isaiah chapter 60 prophesies, and here's what it says. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 19. A day's coming, and it says, The sun will no longer be your light by day, nor will the brightness of the moon shine on you. For the Lord will be your everlasting light. You find that fulfilled in the book of Revelation, still prophetic of the future, but a day coming when the holy city, the heavenly Jerusalem, comes down from heaven. And Revelation 21, verse 23, here's what it says. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. That's cool stuff. Okay, Exodus 26, verse 1. Make the tabernacle with ten curtains of finely twisted linen and blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, with cherubim, angels, worked into them by a skilled craftsman. It's a poor depiction, but it's the only one I could find to show you. This is from a small model, and what they've done in this model is they've done cutaways uh, to show you w- the different curtains and their layers. They were, you would not be able to see all these curtains if they had not done the cutaway. But the first curtain is the one with the multicolors and the cherubim. Now, you're going to have to trust me on this. The white represents purity or holiness. The blue represents heaven. Cherubim, angels. The purple represents royalty. And the scarlet represents sacrifice. Chapter 26, verse 7. Make curtains of goat hair for the tent over the tabernacle. That's the second one you see from the multicolored one that we just read about, the curtain of goat hair. Why goat? Because goat was the sacrifice on the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement was one day when all of the sins were kind of one for one, one for all, all for one on this goat. And the high priest would lay his hands on the goat, representing all the people, all your sins that you committed from last year to this year, go on the goat. One goat was sacrificed, a second goat, both both representing the same thing. One is sacrificed on the altar, but the second goat that you've laid your hands on is taking your sins. He would take your sins far, far away. They'd push him over a cliff. Done goat. No more goat. No more sin. He's called the scapegoat. Yeah. You can read about it. You can read about it in Leviticus chapter 16. You got a scapegoat. It's taking the sin. Gone. Love that goat. And then chapter 26, verse 14. Make for the tent a covering of ram skins dyed red. You see the one red here? The ram skins. That's the next curtain. Covering. Ram skins. But not just ram skins. Ram skins dyed red. The ram 
was the sacrifice for the consecration of the priests. New Testament tells us by faith in Jesus, we are all priests. has to do with consecration of priestly nature. The ram is also the head of the flock, and as the head, it typifies strength and dignity. Let me give you one more really cool note. When God tells Abraham, offer your one and only son, Isaac, up on Mount Moriah, which is Mount Calvary. Abraham is there. Isaac is on the altar. Abraham has the knife up, and then God says, whoa, stop. And then God shows Abraham a ram in a thicket caught. He takes the ram, and the ram becomes the sacrifice. The picture can't be more clear. It's ram skins dyed red. You know what they used in ancient days for the red dye? I bet you'll never guess. It's called the scarlet worm. Let me tell you about the scarlet worm. The mother, when she's ready to give birth to the baby worms, she'd find the trunk of a tree or some piece of wood, and she'd plant her body in the wood so firmly that she could never leave it again. Her young would be born, but in the process, she would lose her life. And the scarlet fluid would stain her offspring and the tree. But that's not the end of it. After three days, the dried red fluid would turn white and flake off like snow. If that don't give you Jesus bumps, there's something wrong with you. Here's what Isaiah says. Come now, let us reason together, Isaiah 1.18. Though your skins are like, sins are like scarlet, they'll be as white as snow. Though they're red as crimson, they'll be like wool. Man. Chapter 26, Exodus, last part of verse 14. And over that, the ram skins dyed red, put a covering of hides of sea cows. That's the last curtain up here on the back. But again... We're seeing the cutaway. If you were to see this as it was, all you would see from the outside is the hides of sea cows. And let me tell you about the hides of sea cows. You wouldn't choose it for your couch. You wouldn't choose it as the number one choice for appeal. There's nothing appealing about it. It is the most unimpressive of all the curtains covering the tabernacle but it's the only appropriate one to represent Jesus. Because Isaiah tells us, Isaiah chapter 53, verse 2, He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to Him, nothing in His appearance that we should desire Him. There's one more curtain that's very important. It's inside the tabernacle. Chapter 26 of Exodus, verse 31. Make a curtain of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and finely twisted linen with cherubim, angels, worked into it by a skilled craftsman. Hang it with gold hooks on four posts of acacia wood, overlaid with gold and standing on four silver bases. Hang the curtain from the clasp. Place the ark of the testimony behind the curtain. The curtain will separate the holy place from the most holy place. The holy place, bread of the presence, lampstand, curtain separating the holy place 
from the most holy place where the throne room is. Thanks for joining us today on The Living Word. Pastor Danny's study, Gleanings from the Old Testament, will continue next time, so be sure to tune in again. Through this study, you'll meet a variety of characters, some strong in their faith and others not, some who seem to have a massive role in society and others who only have a minor part to play. Each person and each situation have a valuable lesson for you, though, and it's worth your time and attention. You can and should learn from their triumphs as well as their failures, and you can take comfort in the one that they all served, your Creator, God Himself. You also have the privilege of seeing the future that they had yet to know. You have the rest of Scripture to dig into as well. Today, we encourage you to read again the passage that Pastor Danny taught on, or turn to another part of the Bible. You won't be disappointed, and God has plenty to tell you on every page of Scripture. It truly is the living Word. If you'd like to explore more of Pastor Danny's messages from this series or others, we encourage you to visit our website, ccfstpete.church. Just click on Sermons to be directed to our YouTube page, and we'd love for you to subscribe. When you do, you'll be notified by email every time we post a new message. That website one more time is ccfstpete.church. That's all we have time for for today. We'll continue walking through the Old Testament next time, right here on The Living Word.